where we're going to begin today. Numbers chapter number 11. We're going to read seven or eight verses. And as you do so, in honoring our tradition, would you stand in the re- for the reading of Scripture? Verse 16 of the 11th chapter of Numbers is where we're going to begin today. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. Notice this, and I will come down and I will talk with thee there and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and I will put it upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee that thou bear it not thyself alone. Now let's jump down to the 24th verse. There's different things happening in this passage that we're not going to focus on here today. So now the 24th verse, Moses went out. He does what God has told him to do, and he told the people the words of the Lord, and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men, it's a unique story, two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad and the name of the other was Medad. How cool is that? And the spirit rested upon them. Now so they were not in, the, they were not in front of the tabernacle as the other 68. They were still in the camp. But it says, and, but they were still written. They had still been called and chosen. But they had not gone unto the tabernacle. But notice this. And they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And it's this 29th verse that I'm going to allude to in a few moments that I want you to draw your attention very closely to today. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake. So don't, don't do this for my sake, he says. Would God, so it's a, it's, in essence it's a statement, yet that it's kind of a request simultaneously. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Isn't it that powerful? And I still believe that that is the will of God and the design of God. That God would take us, all of us, and put his spirit upon us all. Come on, somebody. Amen. So now, for the next few minutes, to create an, app, an opportunity for God to work among us, I want to ask you to just, uh, just stretch your faith today. Just let the word of God speak to your heart and mind to believe. 
to, to open your understanding, if you're new to the Spirit-filled movement, Pentecostalism, if you're, if you're new to the charismatic movement, whatever that case may be, don't be negative. Don't cast a, a, a you know, cloud of unbelief, but just let God speak to your heart and life. Come on. Let the Word of God speak with great clarity. Father, I love you, and I'm very humbled to be here. And I'm deeply appreciative of what the Word of God says and how we can speak it one to the other. We can read it audibly, and it can convey truth to us today, truth that will create faith in our hearts and minds. And together we will believe, for Father, such a work of great grace among us as well. That which is in me, which is unbelief, that which is hindered by anything, I pray forgiveness. And I pray that, God, there will be no distractions in me, and not only in me, but also in our congregation. Nothing, Father, would hinder us from receiving what you have for us today, God. Father, as I prayed so many times in this sanctuary with this church family, I pray it again today. Let preaching come easy in this house today, Father. Let there be a flow of an anointing, God, upon the man of God and also upon the word of God and upon the people of God to receive it. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen and amen. Thank you. Let's take just a moment to make some application from the text and let me remind you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this spirit-filled experience and spirit-filled life didn't just begin in the book of Acts, though it was heightened and broadened in the book of Acts, but we trace the work of the Holy Spirit all the way through the Old Testament and certainly into the New. Now, let me also put you on a level playing field with a couple of things. Occasionally from the pulpit, and also certainly in the New Testament, you'll find the term Holy Ghost and sometimes Holy Spirit. Just so that you understand, if we reference anybody from the pulpit, myself, Jojo, Shane, might reference and say you need to receive or you should receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The King James translators translated the word in Greek, pneuma, both spirit and ghost. It's absolutely the same. It's more commonly uh, recognized in our culture as Holy Spirit as it was 300 years ago when they were using the term Holy Ghost. But nonetheless, it is the same and the same experience and it is the same work of God. I want to take a moment to establish the context of this passage for just a few moments here. In this particular passage, the tabernacle that God had given Moses instruction to erect in the wilderness had been completed. And so the children of Israel now have a means to worship God. The experience at the base of Mount Sinai has altered the course of God's original intention. God intended for all of his people to have access to him. He intended for everybody to be, in essence, a priest, to, to serve him. But the people, if you remember, the book of Exodus records that the children of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai and all the presence of God that did light the mountain of flame with fire, they were intimidated and they asked that Moses would become their mouthpiece. They asked that Moses would be their mediator and that they, he would be toward God on their behalf. He would go and speak to God and he would come down and convey what God had spoken to them. They have, God has chosen this means of a tabernacle 
for the children of Israel to worship him through and approach him through the blood sacrifices that are listed in the Levitical law. The tabernacle was transitionary. It was to be erected and then torn down. Erected and torn down as they would be moving, sojourning through the wilderness. What you see in this passage of scripture is that they have made their very first movements. The tabernacle had originally been erected and has now been torn down and they've made their first movements. Remember they're following a cloud by day and fire by night. God is going with them. How many of you know God will go with you? God will lead you on your journey. It's sometimes a difficult journey. The wilderness itself was filled with drought-like conditions as well as fiery serpents, but God was with them. God was challenging their faith. And in this particular passage of Scripture, as the movements of this time of transition are taking place, the people are beginning to feel some effects of living in the desert. Now, manna is falling from heaven. And for you and I, that seems so awesome to think that just, you know, a happy meal every day just falls from heaven. And yet the people, as they eat it day by day, they begin to think about what life was like in Egypt. Now, it's so odd that sometimes when you look back that you can remember some of the good times but not necessarily the bad. And if you read the entirety of that 11th chapter, they're remembering the food that they had in Egypt, but they have forgotten the chains of slavery that they were in bondage to. And they are almost willing to sacrifice their future to go back to Egypt so that they can, the passage reveals certain fruits and uh, certainly meats. And so they're complaining to God and they're just complaining in their tents and they're complaining to Moses. And it's just a, a, a mournful sound of complaint and whining. And I know that never happens at your house. And with that, though, even Moses found, you know, he began to experience the weight of it because everybody's complaining to him. And, and even later, they wanted to uh, elect a new captain and take them back to Egypt. And so Moses himself goes into the presence of God and he prays. And if we had taken the time to read, he prayed a prayer that said, God, he said, God, I didn't choose to be here. I didn't sign up. Nobody asked me to raise my hand and I didn't come from the back of the room. He said, you chose me. These are your people. And he just said, I'm, I'm fatigued and I'm struggling with this and of all the complaints that are going on, I need a little bit of help. It's what Moses was saying. I need just a little bit of help. And so God gives him instruction and he says, Moses, I want you to choose 70 men. And he said, of those 70 men, they're to be leaders in their tribes. And I'm going to take of the spirit that's upon you and I'm going to put it upon those men and it's going to help you in your governance of the people. Okay? It's a powerful uh, thing that took place. Now, I want to I break that down for just a moment because God, by his own word, said to Moses, I'm going to take of the spirit that's upon you. So what that means is there was some type of manifestation of the glory of God that was upon Moses. Now the thing that if you study the scriptures that you don't ever find is you don't ever find a passage that says that from that day forward the Spirit came upon Moses. There's no record of that. There is a record in 1 Samuel 16 of David where the Bible says that from that day forward the Spirit came upon David. There's, no, there's a record of Elisha catching, uh, taking up the, the mantle of Elijah and the Spirit of God resting upon him, but there's no record. But what I discern as I read and contemplate on it is that it must have been through two things that released the divine anointing upon Moses' life. And that was, first of all, his calling. 
The simple fact that God had called him to be a deliverer and to also be a judge and to be a ruler and to be a leader and to be, in essence, a pastor or a shepherd. His calling. There was an anointing associated with his calling. Come on, somebody. There's an, and there's an anointing associated with our callings. And so with that, but also not only his calling, but his experiences. Because he had met God at the burning bush. And God made promise to him. Even when he confessed, I'm slow of speech. God said this to him, Moses, I'm going to be with you. I'll be with your tongue. He said, I'll be with your mouth. I'll give you the words to say. When you go into Pharaoh and you can be intimidated, God said, I'll give you the words to say. And you'll know just what to say. God promised, he said, what's in your hand? He said, it's a rod. Throw it down. Show signs and wonders. So what I have kind of concluded is that there was an experience that Moses had that coincided with his calling that produced a tangible presence of God. You remember when he came down from the mount, his face did shine with the glory of God. He didn't even know it. He didn't even know, but the people recognized it. And so it must be that type of anointing. The word anointing in the Hebrew means to be rubbed with oil, to be painted. So when we use the word anointing, we're talking about the presence of God, the tangible power and presence of God resting upon a person and their life. And God has an anointing for Moses, and God has an anointing for you. Now, secondly, we note about Moses very quickly is that Moses is a type of Christ. See, the anointing that you and I receive was first upon Jesus. He is Jesus, the anointed one. And just as God took the anointing of Moses and divided it upon 70 men, then God at Pentecost took the anointing that had been upon Christ because God gave him the spirit without measure. God has now divided that anointing in the church, and all of us can receive some measure of his power and of his anointing. We are, as believers, we are unified. That anointing was divided, but it's also unified. It's divided in that you and I can all receive some measure of it, but it's unified in that his complete power is released upon the church as a whole. And that's why we need you functioning at the highest level God's called you to function. Come on, so because then, as you walk in the anointing, and I walk in the anointing, come on somebody, then together collectively the body has the anointing of Christ. And with the anointing of Christ present in the earth, I'm telling you, that's when all things are possible. Glory to God. And so for just a moment, we're going to still break down this passage in numbers because it sets the stage with where I'm going. God divided Moses' anointing at Moses' request to aid him. He was in need of somebody to help him carry the burden of those hundreds of thousands of people in the wilderness. It had grown too great. So God, through his wisdom, said, choose out 70 men. These are elders of the people. They are chosen to assist Moses in bearing the burden with Moses. Now, so what this is that we read in Numbers 11. This is an equipping moment. But what I want you to see, how, how, how a key point, and if you miss this, it's a key principle. It may hinder you in recognizing that you need the anointing for your own life. This, this was an equipping me, moment. But these men had experiences already in God. They had experiences of leadership. They had proven leadership and they had proven wisdom. But listen to this, but they still needed the anointing. 
Are y'all hearing me today? See, I can, go, I can go through all the process. I can go to the best Bible colleges. I can, I can download all different versions of, of uh, commentaries. I can have access to all those things in the culture in which I live today. But if I don't have the anointing upon my life, come on somebody, then I don't have the ability to truly and adequately express to you the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if I've got the anointing on my life, glory to God. Come on, then I believe with, with Christ and with God all things are possible. So God took of that spirit that was upon Moses and he said, he said in essence, your leadership is good, but it's not good enough. He said, uh, your wisdom is good, but it's not good enough. Uh, he, he said, uh, all that you've done thus far has been good. It's not good enough. You need the power and the presence of the anointing of God. So God equips, and I want you to hear this today. I believe in a tangible transfer. I believe that even as this fellowship, God equips this body with diverse giftings that are far greater than mine, far greater than what I personally have. But I do believe this. I believe if you stay long enough and your heart is knit to mine as a pastor, some measure of the gifting God has put in me and placed upon my life, it will fall upon you. You won't even know it, but all of a sudden you'll be twirling in your worship. Glory to God. Come on, somebody. You'll be reading the Bible out loud, professing it and prophesying it. You'll be walking through your yard and the Spirit of God will come on you and you'll just yell out, glory to God. You won't know why, but it's because you've been in this environment for several years and it's worked a change in your life. Hallelujah. So the anointing of Moses was divided and it was transferred. All 70 men received of Moses' anointing and they prophesied as evidence or result of the Spirit coming upon them. Now that seems to indicate that they had not prophesied previously. And scripture doesn't say this, but it's also implied that they could and they would prophesy again because it said they prophesied and they did not cease. So I want you to see how this would affect the camp. Until that moment, there was one mouthpiece for God. If you needed to hear from God, if you needed a prophetical word, if you just needed somebody to have the presence, I like to be around people that's got the presence of God on their life. I just like the way that it stirs my heart, deep calls to deep, and to know that if I can be beside somebody or walk with somebody or serve somebody, that what's in them might be on my life, and they may speak a word to me that builds and equips my faith. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So until that time, there was one man in the midst of hundreds of thousands, but now it's multiplied, and there's 71 men that's got the power and the anointing upon their life, that 71 men now have the ability to hear from God, and 71 men now have that anointing upon their life. It was one previously, now it's 70 that are added to it and they have the ability to prophesy and speak the blessing of God upon the camp. How would that change? Man, how would that change our church? How would that change the church, this body right here, if all of us received the power and the glory of God? There's a unique twist in this passage is that two men did not go with them to the tabernacle, but the Spirit of God still fell upon them and they prophesied. Now see, Joshua seemed to interpret that as some type of rebellion or disobedience or rebellion to Moses. And, they were, and they're, because their prophesying was not near the tabernacle, it was in the camp and they asked Moses to forbid them. But Moses said this, and this is what set the, the stage for this message today. Moses prayed a prayer. I said it was a statement but also a request, but it was actually a prophecy if you'll just note it in its purest form, it was a prophecy. Because he told Joshua, he said, Joshua, don't envy 
them for, for my sake. Don't, don't, don't envy the fact and, and don't get aggravated the fact that they're here and we're here. They're prophesying. We're prophesying. Moses said this. He said, I'll tell you what my heart is. Moses said, I would that all God's people, isn't that powerful, that all of God's people would receive of the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. You know what? And that's something that you and I need to be believing God for. That it's not just a select few. It's not just those that get a microphone or get some type of credential. But that it's all of God's children. Come on now. Let's go a little bit further. Okay? Moses' prayer is so significant in this right here. Because the, the unique aspect of the outpouring of the Spirit hundreds of years later would validate and bring to fruition what he was believing God for long years ago. See, until the recorded incident in the book of Acts, the anointing and the transferable anointing was typically limited to people that were placed in an office, such as a king, a priest, a prophet, or an elder or a leader. By virtue of the Spirit coming upon someone, they were then elevated into that distinct calling or class of people. But note this, what was unique about the day of Pentecost, and this is Pentecost Sunday according to the Jewish calendar, today is, and that is when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, the context reveals this, that it was both men and women, old and young, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, some called to be apostles, some called to be deacons, some just called to be a part of the body of Christ. But in that great day when the Spirit of God came, wherever they were gathered, somewhere in the vicinity of the temple, the Spirit of God sat upon each one of them. God did not elevate one above the other. God did not say, uh, uh, Peter, you will have a greater anointing than Mary. God divided those gifts. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That's to create faith in us today to believe for the anointing in our lives. When Peter is sur surveying this experience, and, and number one, he's experienced it. He spoke with tongues as the Spirit of God gave him the utterance. He heard others speak with tongues. He's hearing prophecies. Crowd begins to gather. Acts 2 records it. Many of you are familiar with it. The crowd begins to gather. In that moment, Peter, as he is surveying what's taking place, he, the Spirit of God reveals to him that this is the fulfillment of a prophecy made by Joel hundreds of years earlier. In that prophecy, God had said through the prophet that in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters would prophesy. Your young men, come on somebody, would dream dreams. Or Old men would dream dreams. Young men would have visions. He would pour out of his spirit and, and, and they would prophesy. It was a fulfillment of the word of God. So today... Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And whoever believes for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon their life, then you're going to receive. I believe that with all of my heart. Even though you may not be an elder, a prophet, or a pastor, you don't have a calling to full-time ministry, it matters not. The fulfillment of Moses' request made hundreds of years ago is now available to all of us. And that is God is pouring His Spirit out upon all of His people. God wants each one of you to receive of the anointing that was upon his son Jesus and for you to learn to walk in that anointing. It seems as if his request, as prophetical as it would, was, is coming to pass and being fulfilled from that time until this.
So I want to make this statement again. Consider what the church and this church would be like if all of us. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on now, think about that with me. Come on, I'll tell you what, we'd never have a dry service again. Come on. You know, sometimes people, you know, uh, they say, Pastor Brown, he said, man, man, you were preaching good today. And typically, here's my response, I preach good every Sunday. It's the atmosphere is different Sunday by Sunday. You come in expecting, God will unlock. He will. Whatever good gifts he's locked up in me, but it's not just in me. 1 Corinthians 14 says, when you come together, every one of you should have a gift of some type to be able to release. Come on now. And, and when it does, it produces a great edifying on the body. For some reason, we have sat back and we have drifted to the place where we believe that only those that are on the platform for short periods of time are, are the ones that are going to have the anointing and the power of God. And I'll tell you what, my heart is just the opposite of that ideology. As a pastor, I want to see all. Come on now. I want to see every one of you. I know what happened when my life received the Holy Spirit. When I received the baptism when I was 17 years of age, I know the change that was worked in my life. You know, I've been praying for my sons and my daughters, and some are baptized in the Holy Spirit and some are not, and I've been praying for them. And one by one, God feel them. That's my number one prayer. God fill them with the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost because I remember what changed in my life, the power of the Spirit of God. I couldn't watch programs I used to watch. Come on now, when the Spirit of God came in my life, I had a deeper level of conviction. I couldn't say or listen to things that I previously could listen to because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I found my prayer time going to a new level. I found myself experiencing the presence of God. Up until that time, the only time I ever heard anointed preaching is when I watched somebody else preach or listened to them, someone else preach. But when the Spirit of God came upon my life, I found that as I was preaching, the anointing was present. We need the anointing of God. Come on, somebody. And, and we're believing God for it and the power of the baptism. So look, here today, there's just two or three things I'm going to drop in your heart to answer this. Where do we start? If we're going to start a summer school of the Spirit this year, where are we going to start? First of all, let me speak to each person who has received. You've received of the power of the Holy Spirit. You were filled and you know it. Come on, it was tangible. It was, the, it was the, the Spirit of God, not only the indwelling Spirit of God, but the infilling of the Spirit. How many of you know there's a difference? There's a difference between, and time will tell and, and give us opportunity to teach on that later, there's a distinct difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and the infilling of the Spirit. But you receive both. You were born again by the indwelling Spirit, but then the Spirit of God came upon you and filled you unto overflowing. And, and here's my word to you today. Continue and do not cease. Come on, pray, prophesy, speak with other tongues, agitate the gifting. Come on, keep it fresh. Stir it up. One translation said fan the flame. Come on, keep desiring spiritual gifts. Be hungry and thirsty for the things of God. Keep making yourself available. God, if you're looking for somebody to put a new anointing on, I'm right here, glory to God. If you want to raise up a fresh voice to this nation, God, I'm right here. Come on, somebody. That should be our prayer. I want to walk in the Spirit. And I want to exhort you, don't grieve the Spirit by unholy living. Come on, don't quench the Spirit by unbelief. Don't quench the Spirit by distraction or neglect. But agitate what God's already placed in your life. 
more on that next week. But secondly, if you're here today and you've never received a tangible transfer, why am I using that term tangible transfer? Because Numbers 11 taught us of a tangible transfer. One man had it, God took what he had, divided it and put it on 70. The day of Pentecost, one man had it, Jesus. God divided it and put it on the body of Christ. And it's up to us to receive it. It's a tangible transfer. And, you, and, and you're here today and you've never received that. And here's, the, here's your dilemma that you might be in. You prayed in the past and you didn't receive. Some, that's, that's been some experiences. And that lack of receiving hinders you now. Because you do one of two things. You either question the validity of the experience... Or you question whether it's God's will for your life. Come on. I've been doing this a long time, people. I know these things, okay? It's one of two things. That's where you're at. You either question the validity of it. Well, maybe it's not real. Come on. Or, well, it's for others, but not for me. You're in one of those places. But we're going to combat that today. But let me just say this. Just because you haven't received previously don't mean you won't receive I asked uh, Sister Shannon if I could testify on her behalf, and that is, you know, I, I brought up Larry and Shannon last week because of that traumatic moment that we had and the uncertainty of that accident and all those things, and we're thankful God kept him and he's here and all those things. Well, his wife, uh, Larry, you heard his testimony about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being a Baptist preacher, and, and was praying you know, asking God, God, I need something. I hadn't preached in a long time, and, and i got to do this funeral. And God filled him with the Holy Spirit. He began to speak with other tongues. You remember that? He shared that testimony. It's powerful, and he continues into it this day. Well, Sister Shannon had not received, and I remember praying for her a couple of times. She had not received. Well, this past week, when Larry was going through, what he was going through, she woke up in the night, laid hands on him, began to pray for him, and when she did, come on now. The Spirit of God came on her as she began to speak in other tongues and pray the will of God over her husband's life. Come on, somebody. And so that's what I'm here to tell you. Just because you haven't received don't mean you won't receive. You just got to believe. Let me drop these nuggets down in your heart today. And, and first of all, you must be convinced it's God's will for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to be convinced. Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. Acts 2, Peter said, this promise is to you, your children, and all who are afar off. Come on, that covers everybody in the body right there. The promise is to you, your children, and all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God should call. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, I would that you all spake with tongues and rather that you prophesied. God's desire, as through Paul's pen, was that we would all receive something that had the tangible evidence of the power of God coming upon us. And in Acts 2, the promise was to all flesh. God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I won't selectively choose some of my children and elevate them over others, but I'll give everybody some measure of the anointing. Oh, man, that's good right there. I know there are still distinct offices, callings, and equippings, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for us all. Come on, you must believe. You must believe. Number two, there's only four. Second, be aware or recognize and expect that the infilling of the Spirit is evidenced by speaking in tongues and prophesying. 
That's the biblical evidence. It's the tangible evidence. The tangible evidence in the book of Numbers was that when the spirit of Moses was placed upon the 70 elders, what happened? And they prophesied. On the day of Pentecost, those that were filled with the spirit, what happened? They spoke with tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Often speaking in tongues is accompanied by prophesying, which is inspired utterances in the native language of the, of the speaker. I believe both. I believe as you receive the baptism, you'll speak with other tongues and you will yet prophesy. It's the will of God for his children. For us all to be prophets, as the scripture said in Numbers chapter 11. The biblical record, time will not allow me to take you there, but please know that we've studied this out diligently and the Pentecostal movement bases our faith upon the five recorded incidents in the book of Acts where it says that the Spirit of God came upon men and women, three of which plainly says they spoke with tongues and prophesied and two implies it. So it's the biblical evidence. So you must expect if you come forward and you say, God, I want you to fill me with the Holy Spirit, then you're looking for a tangible evidence of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. What is that tangible evidence? That it is at that moment you will speak with other tongues. We call it the initial physical evidence that the Spirit of God has come upon you and you are now filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the beginning, it's not the end. It takes you deeper into the things of God. You don't stop right there, you start right there. Number three, this often happens as a result of prayer. Men and women asking God to fill them, to give them of his spirit. Luke 11 said, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Some people come to a spirit-filled church a charismatic church or a full gospel church or Pentecostal church or whatever label you want to put upon us. Say, man, I feel. Have you ever heard that? I feel something when I'm there. Right? You've been in that environment before. I hope you're in it now where there's a tangible presence of God. Then what's the distinction between that and the other? It's because we're asking for God to manifest himself by his spirit. We're believing for it. We're not, we're not just asking because you can ask in unbelief. We're asking in faith. Come on, we see it in the word of God and we trust in God to do what he said he would do. We know what it's done in our lives and we want you to experience it as well. We don't want to receive this just in a small handful of people. We want all of God's children. The word says you receive not because you ask not. The Bible also says, but ask in faith, nothing doubting. Trust the Lord. Be firmly convinced. And lastly today, this often happens as a result of prayer and the laying on of hands. Someone who has the infilling, the empowerment and the giftings of God will pray with you and lay hands upon you and you'll receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's not always the pattern, but it is often the pattern. Come on. Scripture doesn't say in Numbers 11, Moses laid his hands on the 68. It doesn't say that. We know he didn't on the other two, but it doesn't say. He may have, he may not have. But it does say this, Deuteronomy 34 says this, Later, Joshua the son of Nun, who did not receive in Numbers 11, but later received, the Bible says Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands upon him. Listen to this as I'm closing. There's only four points. This is the fourth one today. Acts 8 and 15, the Bible says this, and when they were come down, this is Peter and John, when they went to Samaria, it says they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, 
then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Acts 9 and 17 says, Ananias put his hands on him, being Paul, and said these words, Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 19 and 6, and I'm closing with this story here today. Acts 19, the apostle Paul has gone to Ephesus. And the Bible says that when he arrives at Ephesus, he finds 12 disciples, 12 that believe in Christ. And Paul asks them a question. Verses 1 through 6 capture the story or the record. Paul asks them a question. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Their response is, we've not so much as heard. We don't really even know what you're talking about, Paul. And that's the way some of you are today. I don't really know what you're talking about, Pastor, here just yet. So, so Paul asked them a question. He said, well, then what then were you baptized, your water baptism? They said, well, we were baptized according to John's baptism because we were in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah, and that was the, that was the beginning of our faith, and we've grown in it some, but that's kind of been the extent of it. So Paul took them, and he baptized them in the name of Jesus, and when he did, the Bible says that then Paul laid hands on them. Twelve men that just a few minutes earlier said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Whether there even be a Holy Ghost or this Holy Spirit thing that you're talking about. But now Paul lays hands on them. The sixth verse of the 19th chapter says that the Spirit of God came upon them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Fulfilling the prophecy of Joel, but also fulfilling the request made by Moses hundreds of years earlier. Would to God, would to God that all of God's children were prophets and God would put his spirit upon them all. That's my prayer today. Shane, I think I'm inviting you back. Is that correct? Or I don't know if we've got who we're inviting back up here to be with us today. It's on that side. There's Daryl, somebody. We're looking for somebody to come back to the platform. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to start the summer off right. Come on, by creating an atmosphere of faith, trusting God. This is the will of God for our fellowship, to help lead men and women into an experience that can change their Christian life. Come on. Come on. And I mean that. I've walked there. I know what it was like when that change was worked in my heart and life. I've got faith in my heart. I've been praying all weekend. God, here's been my prayer. God, whoever I would lay my hands on, I pray that you will fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, next week, I'm going to talk to the church, to you, if you have received, but it's just not been a flow, a recent flow, of what we can do, what you can do to keep that river flowing. We're not going there today. Today is just about creating an atmosphere of faith for men and women to receive. Now, I know this. I know people's tendencies. I'm a pastor, and, and I know, I know. I sound like one of my teenagers when I'm trying to tell them something. I know, Dad, I know. That's, I'm, did you ever hear that? You will. It's coming. I know, I know. I know people's tendencies. I know you're more spiritually receptive when the sun's shining than when it's cloudy. I know you respond better right after worship than you do after preaching. Tendencies. Listen, we got to make room for this. 
We've fallen into the trap, 1030 to 12. It's got to happen then. If it don't happen then, it's not going to happen. Now, I'll say this. I'll say this. Sometimes it doesn't happen then, but it happens later. Right? But it started here. It started by a moment. It started by somebody coming forward and saying, God, I want this for my life. I'm unashamed. I need this, God. I need this in my life. I want to grow in my faith at a level and, a, and, a, and through the grace of God in a means and a way that I, I can't produce any other way. I just have to receive it. Jesus said, if you will come unto me and drink, out of your own belly will flow a river of living water. Can I ask you today to just be convinced in your heart that it is the will of God for your life? That's, is that too much to ask today? I'm asking you. Say, Pastor, you're going against all the tradition and all the denominational doctrine I've been taught in my life up until now. I know I am, but I'm just telling you, Moses prayed a prayer that was prophetical. Would to God that he would put his spirit upon us all. Isn't that powerful? That's what he wants for us today. Now I will say this as I'm preparing to close and by, by inviting you to come forward. You know, church family, you have to set your heart after God. This is not casual Christianity. We are not a country club. This, this is not. This is a, an environment that we're believing God for his presence to be released in the lives of men and women that will produce a change in them. Come on. That's what we're believing for. Young and old, male and female, we're believing for. Is that right? That's what we're believing for. You're never too old and you're not too young to receive of God's power and his presence upon your life. The key is, is are we hungry and thirsty? Do we really desire these things? You know, Paul, this is another vein altogether, but Paul told the church of Corinth, he said, desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire. It's been my, it's been my observation that the power of the Holy Spirit does not come upon people who do not pursue. I, I suppose there's the occasional thing where you just get close enough that you get a spillover effect. But it's been my observation that if you don't pursue, you don't receive. That's been my observation. And I, I believe that's the way it will be here today. I want to ask everybody to stand. Shortly after 12 o'clock, Moses, the man of God, Moses, the man of God, a type of Christ. The anointing was taken upon him, off of him, and put on 70 men. And then he prayed a prayer. God, I would that all your people would be prophets and that you would put your spirit upon them all. That's going to be my prayer for you today. That God would put his spirit upon each of you, male and female, Young and old alike. Our heads are bowed.